Welcome to Truth Be Told, the podcast about being authentic in order to live your truth. I am your your host, Pierre Casongo. Today, I am honored to to have another special guest on our podcast. Aja Daman Ogidan is a first-generation Canadian immigrant originally from Nigeria, West Africa. Burdened with the usual expectation to settle quickly, study, and get a job in a career that is considered rest, uh, respectable in her community, Aja Daman pursued the dream to become a medical doctor in Canada for seven years. In 2021, she pivoted and decided to become an entrepreneur. She took the bold step to quit her job and follow her dream to be a business owner. Ija Daman is an independent licensed insurance advisor who is passionate about increasing financial literacy and financial peace of mind for individuals, especially the Black, Indigenous, and people of color community. She does this through her passion for teaching and sharing holistic knowledge on living your authentic life. Ijadaman's firm belief is that health, wealth, and well-being are interconnected and available to all, not just the few. Listeners and viewers, it is my pleasure to welcome Aja Daman. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Pierre. What I've noticed is that you you post a lot about like uh, awakenings, and a, a lot of it seems to have to do with with definition of self. Like for example, like is there like all you the the that um, the post that you show are a lot about, you know, like waking up, waking up, and and it and self awareness, and one of them what is having to do with alle- the allegory of the the cave, and that in the and it, it seems like you want individuals to to be uh, to not live in in a closed no, closed mindedness but really open up to to their surroundings so open up to the surroundings yes but also open up more to themselves and uh, who they can be um my idea of that is that when we're born, we are born born where we are. We are born in a certain environment and we get to learn to grow up a certain way with certain beliefs, with certain norms and so on, right? But what if you want to do something different? What if you like something different? And what if you don't know beyond where you are, right? And if you're having that closed-mindedness, then 
you don't get to experience more. So it's beyond the environment. It's also experiencing and being open to other ways of being that might be more true to you than where you grew up, right? So that's how I see that part. An example of that is this constant idea of how we're supposed to be living that life of, you know, go to school, get a degree and, and get a job. But that being said, we've learned that it's not always that path that everybody has to follow. There's different mm -hmm. ways that it works through life for, uh, for, for everybody. Mm -hmm. And even you know, even just saying so in your bio, in your in your uh, your life, like you, you, know, you even decided to you know, go in a different uh, in a different route than decided to be a doctor. Like what uh, was it that made you decide to go from perhaps being a doctor to being an entrepreneur? Okay, so let me back up because I was thinking about it and I was, it, it was, it's kind of weird. So I'll just kind of back, give a bit of background. So I love science, have always been interested in science. And the way educational institutions go is that you do a bit of everything first and then you branch into what you kind of think you like. At least that was my experience in Nigeria. And from as early as grade 10, you could decide if you wanted to go to the arts or if you wanted to go into pure science or if you wanted to go into engineering science. And of course, engineering wasn't for me. So I went around to pure science because that just made the most sense to me. And then when you're thinking about careers, if you're looking at science, you either want to be an engineer or you want to be a doctor. Um, if you're looking at arts, you either want to be a lawyer or you want to be an accountant. So those seem to be the ones that are like, when you come back and say, okay, I'm going to be a doctor, everybody's like, yes, 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 that's my child. My child is going to be a doctor, right? And so that's the one that made the most sense. I also have an uncle who is a doctor. So I was like, yes, I just want to be like him. And so somehow that didn't work out for me in Nigeria. Going to university, it's almost like take whatever program you get. You're just glad that you get into school. And so I started with biochemistry and then Somewhere along the line, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to switch to medicine anymore because medicine was like so many years and I was thinking I want to have a life. And I finished my biochemistry degree and then went on to do an MBA at Lagos Business School in Nigeria. Now, when I was to start that program, I was interviewed. And one of the questions they asked me was, why do you want to do this um, MBA? And I was like, I want to have my own business. That was what I said there, right? And so that means that that seed had probably been in my brain from that time. I just hadn't acted on it. And then eventually I moved to Canada and I was thinking, okay, so what do I do with my life? As a, an adult immigrant, it's like, okay, so we need to do something that leads us in the direction of making a good income. So I said, okay, why don't I pursue my dream to be a doctor again? And so from the information I got, I went back to do another Bachelor of Science degree in health science and started applying to medical schools 
it's a process. I can tell you that. Um, and then somewhere along the line, I, as I waited to get the admission, I got to see my friends get into medical school. And even one of the courses that we needed to do just to um, take the MCAT exam, we needed to do an introduction to sociology. We needed to do introduction to psychology. Sociology was like new to me and it, I love it. And in there, I got to learn that there are socioeconomic determinants of health, meaning that aside from the things that break down in the body, there's like factors in our environment that affect groups of people. And that was very interesting to me because coming in as an immigrant, there's already this stress of how do I make, make ends meet? How do I pay my bills? How do I take care of my kids if you have kids and so on, right? And so that was that was there. And so my mom died in 2020. And all of a sudden, it didn't feel as important anymore because... I realized somehow I had this moment of clarity that part of the reason I wanted to do this, even though I thought, oh, this is my dream and all that, was because I really just wanted my parents to be happy for me and be proud that they have someone who is a doctor in the family. But then I had all these other interests that I hadn't really pursued because I was on this path to, I have to be a doctor. And then mm -hmm. my friends who got into medical school I saw how stressed they were and it clashed with my value of having a work-life balance and it just wasn't making sense to me anymore. And I have a son who has an entrepreneurial spirit. Like that young man has been wanting to sell things or has been selling things since he was in grade four. And it just relates that spark within me. My mom she was an entrepreneur. She was a business person right till she died. And so it relates that in me that why don't I look into doing something for myself? And so that's kind of what deviated me. And I found that as I went towards that direction, I felt happier and more at peace with myself. The social uh, economical uh, factors that can affect uh, health, one of them the, is is uh, is actually that I've actually had thought about was about like someone's health like how like someone's like the finance financial being uh, is affecting like their access to like the resources to be healthy whether it be mm -hmm. you know access to doctor or access to uh, no to even to the right foods because mm -hmm. we have to admit it we're we're living in times where food is expensive like in inflation has caused food to be ridiculously expensive and and uh, it is it's now easy it's easier to just go to some convenience store and get some junk food than get some healthier like produce or some healthier foods that can nourish you and make you healthier Yes, so you're correct. 
finances place a lot of stress on people and they don't even have to be BIPOC, right? It's just that it's really, it's really evident, right? Among the black indigenous people of color, right? There's so many ways that finances affect. You've mentioned one of them, which is access to healthy food. In fact, on top of that, I would say access to the information on what food is healthy. Because it took me a couple of years to grow in my knowledge of what's healthy versus what's not healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, right. Like buying unhealthy food is cheaper. And when you have people or families who are struggling to stretch the dollar, then they'll buy the things that are cheapest, mm -hmm. right? Um, on top of that, another way that finances affect a person's health is it affects the mental health because you're constantly stressed. You're constantly thinking, hey, I need to make money or I have too much month than money. <laughs> so <laughs> it's trying to just stretch those dollars or even the uncertainty of jobs, right? Um, am I going to have this job? Will I get fired? Or if they're fired, how are you going to get another job? And um, there's also, so that's just that mental stress that people are living with every day that affects the health. Another aspect to that is not even having the time to go get like regular medical care. Like we're fortunate to live in Canada, in Alberta, where we have uh, free healthcare, right? So part of that free healthcare means you can go to see your family, family doctor, get your checkups, right? And your family doctor will recommend if you need to go do tests or something, right? Some people can afford to do that because they cannot afford to take time off work to go get those checks done. And then other aspects. So you find people who are working especially jobs that might be a bit more physical, right? And not paying as much. They don't have access to other forms of healthcare that they need to just help them. Things like massage, yeah. probably a chiropractor, physiotherapist, right? Those are usually not covered unless they have work that has those health benefits that allows them to access that. So if a person doesn't have time to go see a doctor, doesn't have enough money, to buy healthy food is under that constant mental stress of like, okay, money, trying to meet the bills and all of that and still take care of themselves, their families and probably people back home, they're immigrants from another country. Then it does place a whole lot of stress. And you find that what the studies were showing, especially in the books, textbooks that I read in school was talking about how you have a lot of people that have chronic diseases in specific races of people, just because they didn't have the time to just go check things out and cut them off when they were starting. So yeah, finances really affect the person's well-being, physical, mental, and even emotional, right? It can be really depressing to be in this vicious cycle of, okay, it seems that this is my life. I have to work and work and work and work, sometimes work two, three jobs. I mean, I met a lady the other day lovely lady she works two jobs monday to friday she leaves home 4 45 a.m and gets back home 11 p.m and she's working two jobs every single day 
Now that might be the story of a lot of people, but I'm looking at her and thinking, if you keep up at this rate, sometime in the future, your body's going to break down. And she needs those two jobs to make ends meet. Yeah. And somehow it's, it's like just finances is, is stressing us out and it's mm-hmm. just not making us healthier and to together it's just not a healthy mix like how do we just can can we all make that just all stable what do we need to do financial literacy is important just that basic awareness of okay so what do i need to know about money so personal finance is important i actually wish that in schools personal finance is taught right and is made mandatory right it would help so many people so i used to tutor right and i was tutoring this lovely young lady in um in grade 10 uh-huh. now there's great uh there's math 10a math uh, math 10c i really love the c ones because they seem to have applications that is more suited for the real world. So Matt 10A is okay, it's great. But Matt 10C was talking about things like taxes and so on. And so I remember tutoring this young lady and uh, we calculated, okay, we had a question where this is the amount of money that you're earning. And this is the amount for taxes, amount for CPP, EI and all of that. By the time we finished calculating how much her take-home pay is, that girl was upset. She's like, what? Like, is this all I get to take home? She was like, they're robbing me. I'm like, well, that's the reality of life, baby girl. That's the reality of life. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. But then that literacy of, okay, so this is how much I earn. This is how much my take-home pay is. And understanding something as simple as income versus expenses. A lot mm-hmm. of people usually know how much is coming in as income. We know exactly how much we make. But then how much is going out seems to be mm-hmm. a problem. And people don't keep track of that. And it's something that we can easily learn. So if anyone is listening to this and they're thinking, well, I don't know how much my expenses are. Like the information is available, right? There are some YouTube videos, there, <laughs> however you like to consume your material that just explains things like that really basic. And also learning the importance of saving and mm-hmm. then once you get into that habit of mm-hmm. saving money, get into that habit of investing, because that's how we begin to beat inflation that is always happening. So financial literacy, nobody actually can really have that excuse of saying, well, I don't know anything about this. Information is available. It just depends on what kind you're consuming. So having that basic, basic, not just to make money, because we go to school and we come out and we know how to get a job and make money. But then when you make the money, how do you catch that money? Yeah. How do you now make that money work for you? Yeah. You know what? I have been talking to to others about how, how I felt that, you know, that same way that uh, looking back at my, like my high school years or even mm-hmm. university, financial literacy was not a course at all. And it should have been, because that's when we, that's the age when we first started to earn paychecks. That's the age when 
some of us were looking to save up to pay for our tuition. Some of us were paying for our for 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 clothes, entertainment, or whatever. Some of us were paying for for future things. And once we were having like serious jobs, we were buying our cars. Actually, there's this funny clip that uh, that goes back to nineteen to the 1980s i know it's a little bit dark to use this reference but it's from the cosby show and it's okay. cliff using no no talking to theo about like him getting a job and he's breaking down okay oh you want to get a job huh okay and you want to get a car. And he, I think he's using Monopoly money to talk about, okay, this is your the money that you have from, from his job. Here's the paycheck. So now you want to okay. use my money from for gas. A little bit okay. goes away. And then insurance. A little bit goes away. See, so he has a girlfriend. A bit goes away. And then he talks about more expenses. And then by the end, I think, I don't think Theo has anything left. So that's, and that's basically a breakdown of how you have to understand expenses. <laughs> again, that, uh, again, that's kind of a, uh, yeah, kind of a old clip of how, how finances can be explained in a, in a funny way, but it's, yeah. it's uh, it should be have been taught like years ago, especially mm. since a lot of uh, millennials and, and the younger generation has so much financial debt. Hold up, flag on the play. I'm a millennial too. Why am I talking as if I'm not a millennial at all? Anyways, back to the show. Yeah, it's it's important. Um, there is, for those who watch Netflix or have Netflix, there is a show, okay? There is a show called Money Explained. It's like five episodes. There's an episode on credit cards, there's an episode on student loans, there's an episode on retirement. It's really nicely done. So I recommend people go watch it, right? That's kind of like a basic education on like, okay, so these are the things we use and um, how to use it properly, right? Because credit card is there. And like for myself coming from um, Nigeria, um, I didn't have credit card. It was either a debit card or cash. So basically, if you didn't have the money, you didn't spend it. No money, <laughs> no more spending, right? Yeah. And That's so, the smartest way. Yeah, and so my one of my concerns is there's all these people coming into the country, and some of them are coming from countries where credit wasn't a thing. And then you have access to all this money that you can borrow, right? and no idea of how it works when you don't pay the money back, right? And that 
going into all that financial debt and watching the debt increase is also another source of stress on people and not having that education on, okay, so this is the proper way to use that. This is the proper way to use the credit cards and building that financial discipline of, okay, I only spend what I can afford. And if I cannot afford it, then I need to go earn more, right? There's different layers and levels to it. But yeah, it should be taught there if you went if you wanted to go the route of like conspiracy why isn't it being taught and all of that right you would you would, there's a whole bunch of that where yeah. some people are like well the people who want to be at the top want people at the bottom to not know what to do and all of that but the information is out there for anybody who wants to and if we're not getting it in the schools then i highly highly encourage self-education or speaking with a financial advisor that you trust Absolutely. That now conspiracy don't don't interest me. What mm -hmm. I uh, what I advocate for is simply no financially literate. Mm -hmm. Try trying try to understand how to make yourself financially stable, uh, yeah. not just for uh, for the now, but also for the long term. Yeah. 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 And that financially stable can mean different things to different people. Mm -hmm. So, and it's important to know that. Um, I like that you mentioned financially stable for the long term, because some people don't think about that. They're just thinking, and I do understand, especially like I'm always using that immigrant perspective because I came in as an immigrant and financial stability when you're just coming in is I just need to make an income and then I need to be able to pay my bills, right? That's like the first level. And then once you get into that stability of now making an income, kind of figured out my surroundings a bit. I now understand that there are four seasons instead of two and so on and so forth. And then you get that bit of stability. Then the next thing to think about is, okay, so how do I now plan for myself financially in the long term? And there's different vehicles that Canada has that makes that available. But the key thing that I will stress here is that to have anything for the long term, then money now has to be put aside for later. There's no two ways about it. That's like, that's it. That's as basic as you can get. Um, money now that you make now has to be put aside for later. And also considering other ways to increase income right? While still keeping expenses as level as possible. There's something called lifestyle creep, where our lifestyle creeps up to meet the increase in our income. So for example, um, when I first came into the country, my husband and I, we had just the one car because that was what we needed and could afford at the time. And then after a while, as is typical for families, at some point you're like, okay, you can't keep waiting for the other person to bring a car yeah, back. Now you have two cars, right? <laughs> and then it depends when you get the two cars. Now, are you going to get the most expensive cars just so that you know that, okay, now I can afford this and I have a job that is going to pay for it in the future? Or are you going to get cars that are within your means? Same thing with homes. Most people, a lot of people dream about being homeowners. But then it now depends on the kind of home that you're going to get for yourself. 
I've met people who say, you know what, I want a home that when I am paying the mortgage, even if I was work, working in Walmart, I can still pay the mortgage. So that means that they want to get a home that the mortgage payments are affordable. Whereas some people, they just want to get a big home <laughs> and then not really thinking about the mortgage payments. So also thinking about the decisions you make to go into any kind of payments that are going to happen in the future, you need to consider that there are things that are coming in the future that require your dollar. So making those decisions now need to be made where you keep your payments as moderate as possible so that even if your income or emergencies come up in the future, then your income can still adjust for it. That kind of reminds me of my the of discussion my father used to have when you know he would talk to me about uh, about money about you know there are wants and there are needs and sometimes people will have a hard time distinguishing for, uh, between both now i'm not going to say that you know i'm not i'm one of those people that will always make the right choice between you know, the two like i will i'll i'll have my moments where i'll do something that i i'll buy something because i absolutely want it but you know but if, that's you have to do it of course just in moderation you just have to be you know like careful about how you you know manage a lifestyle but you also have to really make sure that just your needs financial sur uh, surpass uh, your 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 wants financially yeah you're right and i like that you mentioned that because that's something that i tell my kids all the time like sometimes they're like i want this and i'm asking is it a want or a need right <laughs> and some people use the term yolo Oh, you only live oh, once. Oh, God. So. Oh, that's a... <laughs> you only live once, so <laughs> I'm just going to get it because you only live once. I'm just going to do this because you only live once. But the thing is that you also need to live with the consequences of your financial decision, uh -huh. right? So if you decide that you absolutely must have that Gucci bag or that Louis Vuitton scarf or whatever it is that you really want then you need to be with <laughs> the decision. There are some people that those things matter to them, right? I'm more of like, a, I don't really care about the brand. But for some people, it, it, it matters to them. But then if you like that lifestyle, then you need to budget for that lifestyle in such a way that it does not affect other things for you, right? And yes, like you said, want and need. So that's where... We have to do this journey of being aware of ourselves. Like you mentioned how I did, I do videos on awakening. Mm -hmm. So waking up to, okay, so this is how society usually goes. Like, uh, for example, for, for myself, I find that I see some clips and where it says that there's this guy that I listened to on TikTok and he mentioned how, um, black people when they get wealthy right and i know this is not for all black people but usually <laughs> black people when they get wealthy then you have all the expensive looking things the cars the big houses it's even even if you look at um, some nigerian music videos when you want to know that somebody has arrived or they have money 
then you're seeing a very big house and you're seeing a fleet of cars and so on, right? And, it's rented from someone else. Like what yeah, I, have, but the thing is, I have a feeling a there's a person, fine print that should say, you know, like it's a rental, but but they're probably not gonna show you that. Yeah, but if someone is young and impressionable and watching that, then what they get molded into is that wealth means having really lovely, expensive shoes, bags, necklaces, cars, houses. They might not know any different, right? And it takes waking up to know, okay, so people who are actually really wealthy, mm -hmm. they don't do that. Like Steve Jobs, like he wore the same, like he, mm -hmm. he was always in like in a black t-shirt and I can't remember what he wore as bottoms, but usually like yeah. sometimes they just look simple, right? And realizing and having that shift in mentality and waking up to it, maybe what I know as normal mm -hmm. is not exactly normal. Maybe if I come out of this cave of fake glamour, I'll see that true wealth means yeah. doing something different, means yeah. living beneath my needs. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, living beneath my income, right? Means saving for the future, means uh, making sure that I invest and means probably making sure that I have conversations with people who are financially smarter than myself, right? Or looking for alternative ways to make money that might not involve so much tax, exactly. right? More tax efficient ways and so on. So those are all those things mm -hmm. that's available, but we need to wake up and really see that not everything that we know or do might not be the, if it's just the same. Like you might exactly. see people that have all those glittery stuff, but then when you look at them later on in life, they're broke. So there's a problem. Like, why is that happening? <laughs> yeah. so maybe this is not the path to follow. Yeah, like Kawhi Leonard recently was apparently, like some made some headlines because of the car that he drives. Now, Kawhi Leonard hmm. helped make the... The Toronto Raptors to a championship in 2019. You know, mm. he's the last person to physically get the Bill, uh, the, the the finals MVP award from Bill Russell. And one of his oh. ride, one of his cars is a 1997 Chevy Tahoe. I mean, this oh. man is worth millions and he drives a 19. 97 Chevy Tahoe, and apparently he got dragged on social media for it. But you know what? That first off, in the 19, uh, the it's a nice car. The Chevy Tahoe is a nice car, and also, mm -hmm. like, if it runs, it works. Mm -hmm. So, I think that different strokes for different wow. folks. Hmm? I said different strokes for different folks. Exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't matter what you do. People will complain, right? There's this famous story about a man, a donkey, and his son, right? No, doesn't matter how. Have you ever heard that story? Uh, what? A famous story about a man, his son, and a donkey. Have you ever no, heard? Tell that me story? about it. Okay. So the story goes that there was a man and his son and a donkey, and they were on a journey right? And so the journey was a long one. And what they did was they both sat on the donkey, right? And they were going. 
And people who were passing by were like, oh my goodness, poor donkey. I'm probably not saying it in order, but I'll say it as I remember it. <laughs> oh, poor donkey has to carry the weight of these two people. Oh my goodness. And then the man comes down from the donkey and allows his son ride the donkey and is walking beside his son and the donkey. And then other people passing by are like, how rude. This son has no respect, allowing this old man to just walk when the other one is younger and probably has more stamina than the um, uh, than the man. And so they switch. The son comes down, the man gets on the donkey, and they're going on their journey. Another set of passers-by are like, oh my goodness, what a wicked father. He's like enjoying himself on this donkey and allowing his son to walk the father does that eventually both of them get off the donkey and walk beside the donkey and another set of passers-by are like what a waste both of them are walking when there's a donkey there that he can use like what a waste so it didn't matter which option they chose there was always criticism so that story the lesson in it is that it doesn't matter what you do someone will always, always criticize it right so you might as well do mm -hmm. what you want to do but exactly. then that being said when it comes to finances you need to be careful right you need to be careful because you can make decisions that result in you being broke or result in generational debt i listened to there was there was another person i listened to who was talking about i think she's a therapist and she was talking about a, a kind of um, trauma um, that comes like, kind of like a generational trauma that's passed down from one generation to the other. And it's that stress of, okay, we're always struggling. Things will never be enough. Like you talked about your dad and how he told you to differentiate between a want and a need. And I'm thinking, that's a wise dad. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. My dad, most yeah, of the time he... he used to say, I don't have money. I don't have money. And I started saying that to my own kids. Like, no. I don't have money. I don't have money. Like, I wasn't thinking, okay, so why don't I have enough money? And then when I made the switch into thinking, you know what? I need to be aware of my numbers. I need to understand. And I, when I think back on my dad, and he spent more than he made most of the uh -huh. time, right? And so I just followed that part pattern. And when I found mm -hmm. myself saying that to my kids, I was thinking, I don't want to pass the same line of thought to them, mm -hmm. right? I want them to think differently about money than how I grew up thinking mm -hmm. about money. So I need to change that money yeah. mindset. My father was always smart with money. I used to think that what point that as a kid, you know, when I wasn't, you know, that mature, just because we weren't as didn't have like as nice a car or house as others that we might have been poor but as it turns out it was just no he was just we were just living within our means and he was just being smart with uh, with his uh, money like mm. he was investing and in fact to really prove how uh, smart he was in 2002, we lived in Fort, we moved to Fort McMurray mm -hmm. and bought a, the, he bought the house at a pretty decent price. And then when my parents moved in 2013, the house, well, the, we, the, in that time, the, the, we, 
he decided to renovate the large parts of the, the the house and when the house got resold it tripled in value when mm. mm. when we uh, we moved here in Edmonton the house that they bought here they bought it in in cash debt free no problem like he was always like working the books and he was a man that knew how to crunch numbers and that's that takes a serious discipline yeah yeah and as you're saying that i'm thinking that some people are listening to this and like okay so i didn't have the value of that upbringing yeah I don't have the discipline to take note of my numbers, right? And I don't know what to do, yeah. right? And I like to say, do what wealthy people do. Some of them, they just, they don't figure it out all by themselves. Mm -hmm. They seek professional help. Okay? Seek professional help. I like to say that if you're going to get in touch with someone who um, is going to help you with your finances, then let the person have the heart of a teacher, okay? Who's willing to explain to you in terms that you understand what you're doing and why we're doing it. Not using all the, like we have all the technical knowledge, uh, sorry, technical language, that right, in finance and all that. But then when the person is talking like, okay, so what does this mean? In simple terms, something that I can understand. And that's why I find YouTube such a great resource for just like really, really basic. And when it starts to get a bit more complicated, then you need to get people with professional help, uh, professional expertise, because they've taken the time to study and all of that. And you get someone who you will explain to you and you're comfortable with, right? And that can help with that. I, I Just from experience, while I... While I talk to people, I find that for a lot of people, they struggle with budgeting. And I agree. I, I empathize because for a long time, I studied with budgeting as well. And I actually went through some books and some material just to figure out how to budget, right? There are some people that use Excel spreadsheets, and that's awesome. I am not an Excel spreadsheet person with regards to like my personal finances. I'm like a book and paper person. Right, I like to write it down. That Old school. I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. That's <laughs> a method, right? And so there's some people they like have all these spreadsheets, and they're like they know. It. Like I'm like, nah, I, I have a different system, right? So, and that might be your you method. You know, my right? dad is a hybrid. He could do uh, old. Uh, he could do Excel, uh, my, uh, just like he could easily do. Um, well, the do it on the books. <laughs> yeah, no, like I can use an Excel spreadsheet. I just really like writing it down, right? I just like like okay, so this is it, right? And if it's something that's a bit more complicated that requires me to use an Excel spreadsheet, fine. There's also budget apps, right? There's some apps that maybe people might be more comfortable using, but that's important. Basic, basic, basic to get started and saying okay. I need to know what my income is. I need to know my expenses. A budgeting app or even like, if, even if you go like maybe on Pinterest or even just Google search, 
there are some free printables you would see or free worksheets that have like budget. And what I like about them is that they get you thinking about expenses that you might not remember when you're trying to like name your expenses because there's some expenses that happen annually and there are some expenses that happen maybe not so frequently right and then you're like oh shoot i forgot about this and then it just destroys the budget right so it gets one thinking about that and a lot of people when they're doing the expenses sometimes they forgot forget to include insurance right so insurance should be there right car insurance home insurance life insurance all the insurances should be there listed. Same with your um, subscriptions uh, to um, what what's it called? Entertainment subscriptions, right? Even something set aside for entertainment, right? If you're the kind of person who wants to eat out, then you need to budget it, right? Or if there's something that you really want to get or buy, then you can set aside some money. Okay, I'm saving towards this thing and then I can buy it, right? and so on. So something simple like that actually increases your sense of control over your finances. And it doesn't feel like, like I see the money coming in, but like, where does it go? No, then it, you, you begin to build that muscle, that discipline on, okay, I'm kind of like taking note of what's going on with my finances. So budgeting is a big one for people, and that's where I suggest everyone gets started. If that's not an issue and saving is the issue, get started with that. But if you've saved all that money and then you're like, okay, so what do I do next? Then you need professional help so that you get your money invested in places that would actually benefit you and done by someone to license so you don't feel like you're being swindled. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what you're here for, right? Yep. Exactly. Yes. And people can just easily uh, come to you. You have so many, so much uh, resource to, to, you know, to give out and you know, you'll be, yeah, you, you're more than happy to help, uh, help them out. Yeah. And also there's the article on per, you know, this idea of uh, perfection versus pro, uh, progress which fascinated me because I think it's the other way around. Is it? Per I think it's progress versus what was what was the text? Progress versus perfection. Actually, I found it really fascinating, just because I was not, as I was I was reading that I was actually wondering, like in, like when, when someone is trying to perceive, uh, well, trying to attain. Like per uh, like, like perfection. Do you, I think? Or do you think really it should? The idea should be that they're trying to achieve excellence. The issue I have with perfection is that it's a moving target. That's the way I perceive perfection. Like, and that's why I like progress over perfection. You're trying to achieve excellence. I believe that happens incrementally. It's not like you arrive at a certain place and all of a sudden perfection is achieved. Like who determines what is perfect? Who determines that this is perfection? Everything is usually a standard that has been determined by someone. So for example, if you're if the the one that readily comes to mind for me is um uh, beauty. Okay. 
So who determines what the standard of perfection is? Like there was a time in my life where I was, I would watch these shows that would talk about the top 10 uh, sexiest men in the world or the top 10 sexiest women in the world. And you know what I was curious about? I wanted to see like, okay, so... And then when I would see, I would... Oh, that oh. though that People magazine thing, I, they always... Oh, and sometimes it would be like a show. And I used to wonder, what criteria did they use, right, to determine that these are the top 10 <laughs> sexiest in the world? Because some of them I would see and I'm like, no. And some I'm like, okay, maybe. Like, it, what is the criteria? So that means it's a criteria... The perfection thingy is said by some people and it might not even be authentic for you. And you find yourself always struggling towards something that you may not achieve because it's not really something you should have been working towards in the first place. And so the perfection now becomes like some unattainable goal. And then people can give up because perfect, I don't think anybody ever reaches there. But progress, progress is a different thing. I can decide to improve day by day, even just by 1% or something over what I'm doing. Like for myself, uh, I, I, I try to improve with regards to my physical fitness, right? Uh -huh. So I'm plumb, right? And so I work out and I... I have told myself that, okay, you know what? I'm not trying to be perfect. So perfect to me in terms of like physical fitness would be like I was a figure eight and then I had a washboard flat tummy and whatever, whatever, right? And <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be for me, but I can choose to improve and progress towards being physically healthy and fit for myself. Mm, and my type, go. right? So, and that is better than, because the standard of perfection is probably not true to me, right? And I'll always feel like I'm failing. With the idea of progress, you actually try to just better yourself. It's about the you know, journey. And mm -hmm. somehow it's just trying to make yourself better. You know, like it's mm -hmm. something that you could, uh, and that's how you just get it, you know, get like the get everything better it, the, from goods and services to uh, the better the, the better enter, uh, entertainers to the okay. best um, to, to even the best athletes. Yeah, it's just working on yourself one step at a time. I, I like to think about it as, yes, there are people we can look up to in terms of their success in an area that we're achieving, trying to achieve success in. But then it's me versus me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to improve over myself of yesterday, right? And that's important. Um, I remember if I if I think about myself, in 2020 versus now. And I mentioned 2020 because I, st I started working out a lot in mm -hmm. 2020. It was kind of like my therapy for um, just processing grief over my mom's passing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I noticed very, very quickly 
that my shoulders were not strong. A lot of the workouts, especially the ones that require you to be on the floor, I just realized that the shoulders are weak. Oh. Flexibility is poor. Mobility is like non-existent. So <laughs> I, and when I compare that to now, right, I can put on uh, one of my boots or shoes without needing to balance on something. That's an improvement, right? Congrats I can easily Congrats. do my planks and my shoulders don't feel like I like they are going to buckle, right? So <laughs> I might not have achieved the weight loss that I wanted to, but I can say that my flexibility has improved, my joint strength has improved, and my mobility is, is increased. And so when I compare me versus me then, then I feel like I've made progress. And I feel better about continuing rather than comparing myself to a perfect standard that I might never achieve. As usual, I have these three questions, these three questions that I have for for all of my guests. First question, how, what does living your truth mean to you? Living my truth means, to me, it means that I'm living in congruence with my values. So, and that's important. I am part of my story. I talked about how I was studying biochemistry in my university in Nigeria. And I could, I had a chance to switch to uh, medicine. and But I didn't because I realized that one day I would get married. Well, that was the dream. And I would have kids. And I wanted a situation where I would have enough time for them. And so even though I couldn't name it then, work-life balance was important to me, right? And so I didn't make the switch. And then in 2020, when I was thinking, okay, do I still want to continue pursuing this um, uh, being a medical doctor in Canada or should I do something else? That value came up for me again. Work-life balance is important to me, right? Um, my values of like integrity, authenticity, I need to do something that is feels true to me and and that's important. And so when I live my values, that is living my truth. Um, I'll give you a very simple example that is probably funny so one of the ways i live my truth is with my hair <laughs> is with my <laughs> is with my hair right i i've done different things with my hair like i find i don't like weaves right and i know i know before people come after me like i don't <laughs> come like on now well, <laughs> hey, you know what? I used to have dreadlocks. Uh, yeah, I have dreadlocks now, right? It's just yeah. that sometimes I put braids over them. I find yeah. that I only like hairstyles that, like, you could trace back to African roots, right? I like mm. the locks. I like the braids. Yeah. I like the hair out, the fro. I like all of that. But, like, the straight, glossy hair, wig, weave, <laughs> I don't like it. And yeah. I find that whenever I try it, people give me compliments that I look really nice, right? <laughs> but it doesn't feel true to me. Mm-hmm. What feels true to me is to be this, like, with my mm-hmm. braids and, well, whatever color I decide to do at that time. 
and um and just something that when I do it, I just feel like oh, this reminds me of home, right? Yeah. So people who know me, like there's some people they've told me who have told me that they can find me in a store just from the color of my hair. Oh my God. <laughs> they're like they saw the color of your hair like that must be aj <laughs> they must be AJ, <laughs> and then, right and something but so that's one way so when i'm living in uh-huh. congruence with my values then i feel like i'm living my truth and when i say that some people might be thinking okay so but i don't know what my values are simple google a list of values and <laughs> figure out the one that you connect with no seriously and that, that was what i did i saw a list of values one day and i was looking at them and the ones that really resonated with me and i thought about my life and examples of my life and i realized that i have to be authentic that's very important so authenticity is one of my values right and that's why and you're it, here <laughs> thank you authenticity and that's why you are here yeah, it's it's just so freeing to be your authentic self. And even from the, when I talk on, like when I release content on social media, I'm encouraging people to be their authentic self. When I speak to some people, a lot of people are saying, hey, I don't really know myself and I don't like myself. But I'm like, okay, great. Now we've identified that is an issue. Now, the thing we should be thinking about is getting to know yourself and like yourself, right? Because that's the only way you can now share yourself to other people. Like someone can be listening to this right now and saying, yes, she talked about the hair or she talked about the hair color or something. There's there's been people who said they felt more comfortable talking to me because they just like the color of the hair, right? But if I wasn't bold enough to do my hair in the colors that I wanted, then the people who are feeling weird about it, wouldn't have that confidence to do that, right? So authenticity is such a big deal. And it's a currency that I think we will never run out of because so many people are not being their authentic selves that when they you meet people being their authentic self, it's like refreshing water and like, wow, like I admire this and this makes sense, right? So authenticity is a big thing to me. And anyone who knows me will always... Um, see me as my authentic self because I like myself. I'm in touch with myself and I'm aware of my strengths and my shortcomings and vulnerable about that. And I know that there are areas I need improvement in and I work on that. And that's just being human. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. That's actually... I know that you had uh, mentioned at one point uh, the Plato and one of your v- uh, your videos or postings online that is a quote from Socrates uh-huh. that knowing yourself a Socrates. Yeah. I thought it would be relevant to what you had just said because you met, uh, talked yep. about the allegory of the cave earlier, so that mm-hmm. really t- binds into what you just said. Yeah. And second question. What, uh, how does living your truth and being authentic make you a better person? Oh my, I believe that everyone here on earth is here for a reason and we are meant to affect other people. If I am not being authentic and living my truth, then I'm stuck 
trying to figure myself out. I can't help anybody else. And when you look at life, we're not just islands. Like we are people, we affect each other in different ways. Like my strength can be complement your weakness and your weakness can complement my strength. And the only way I can do that is when I'm authentic and living my truth. So it makes me a better person because I feel confident and bold enough to put myself out there. And in doing so, I believe, I strongly believe this, that people, I gave people permission to also be curious enough to want to wake up and be curious enough to want to explore themselves and live their authentic lives. Sometimes I meet women who are like, they don't realize that they could be, they could give themselves permission to have fun or, and, and, and fun means different things to different people, just permission to just relax or to just be, or just relax in their femininity or even probably be step into their masculine side, right? Because I believe everyone has both. And just something like that. And just interacting with people. There are some people that are like, wow, you know what? I like that. So what I've seen, it gives me, per they feel like it gives them permission to now be more authentic or even to just explore the thought of, okay, maybe I should consider living my own truth as well, which is what really drew me to your podcast, right? When I saw Truth Be Told and I read what it was about, I was like, okay, this is nice because sometimes people just need that encouragement to just come out and live your truth. But what does that mean? It means different things to different people. But mm -hmm. as much as I do it, I find exactly. that I grow and I feel like I'm a light right? A growing light that is now shining out to people. And it can probably be a beacon that now draws people and say, hey, there's something different from this cave that I've been living in that I can now go out and explore. And as more people do that, the world just increases, improves, and becomes better and better just because of that action of a few people who have decided to live their truth. I'm so glad that uh, to hear that and then finally uh, the third question what advice would you give to someone looking to embrace themselves first advice turn off the noise there's a lot of noise and um, there's a lot of things going on like there's social media there's um there's always some kind of like noise i would suggest that you need to be you need to be genuine you need to be true to yourself like what that means is you need to get to know yourself and it can be uncomfortable just looking at yourself so not just in the mirror but like actually looking at yourself and if you're looking to embrace yourself I suggest you just think about yourself and your life till now. I like to say that you give yourself clues. I know there's a show called Blues Clues that I never watched, but you you give yourself clues and you've always been doing the things that give you clues as to who you are. You just need to pay attention. 
to it. And sometimes you might even need to just record it. Or you might even need to just ask somebody or ask a few people and say, hey, if you were to, if someone asked you to describe me or describe me with three words, right? What would you say? Who would you say I am? And because sometimes we don't see ourselves, we see other people more than we see ourselves. So you want to embrace yourself, then you need to gather information about yourself. You gather information from your past activities, your past passion, your passions, your loves, the things you don't like, or the things you don't even like in people, and then the things people see about you, and then rec record it, like what you really like about yourself, and have that self-discovery, have moments where you just sit in quiet and um, and just think and and get in touch with yourself. But that does require some quiet and disconnecting from the noise. That does require you looking at yourself, even at the parts that you don't like, right? That does involve you creating something like a, what's it called? Like a swag sheet on yourself where you write your, your achievements and what people have like commended you on. Write that down. In fact, I strongly encourage you to write it down and put it somewhere where you can always see it. Because sometimes you forget um, how great you are, how amazing you are. Write that down, right? And then practice looking at yourself in the mirror. Really look at yourself and smile at yourself. And then maybe it feels squeamish. <laughs> Stay there. Next day, come back and do it again. And tell yourself, I like you. I want to get to know you. I think you're interesting. And then you do that over and over again until you get comfortable with just looking at yourself and talking to yourself. Well, maybe not on the streets, but like just saying <laughs> good things, good things to yourself, right? And that's important because the last part I said is probably the most important. Say good things to yourself. Compliment yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror because too many people say horrible things about themselves. Say, oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm such an idiot. I'm so Don't say things like that to yourself. Say good things to yourself, especially with that swag sheet in front of you that shows you how amazing you are. When someone gives you a compliment, write it down again. And that's you getting to know yourself and loving yourself and embracing yourself and Practice the things you're passionate about. If you like to color, color. If you like to dance, that I love to dance. I might not be a very good dancer, but I love to dance and I love music. And so I do that because it makes me feel happy with myself. So wanting to embrace yourself, you need to get to know yourself. Get that swag sheet down. Look at yourself in the mirror. Smile at yourself. Say nice words to yourself. and. Your journey begins. Words of wisdom from Aja Dame. You can follow her on Facebook as well as on Insta uh, no, Instagram at uh, Aja Dame, as well as on uh, Insta on uh, on TikTok under the same uh, handle, Aja Dame. Also, she has another account on Instagram at Jada's Awakening Mind. 
where you can follow her. And she has many insightful thoughts for uh, uh, for the mind, many the uh, uh, awakening thoughts uh, for you to go on through the day and for you to awaken your thoughts and shine a light on you. Agent uh, Damon, it has been an absolute pleasure to have uh, you with you. And also anywhere other way that people can reach out to you in case that perhaps they want to get some financial uh, services from you? Yeah, so um, if you're living in Canada listening to this and you're needing to um, contact me to just talk about finances, then you can reach me on like the handles that um, Pierre has just mentioned, right? Um, I also, my LinkedIn is there. So you'll find me in LinkedIn as Aja Damon Ogidon and just shoot me a DM um, and we will talk. So through my social media handles, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, there's another one, Facebook, you'll find me there. And then just shoot me a message and we'll talk. All right. All right, and I want to thank my guest, Aja Daman Ogidon, for being my guest on my podcast. And to you, my listeners and viewers, thank you so much for, uh, for attending. And remember, stay true. <laughs>